Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Welcome to Bear Archery's Hunting 101 podcast, where hunters new and old come to learn and find inspiration from stories of hunts gone by. Everyone is welcome to enjoy the outdoor way of life, and there is no better time to start than right now. So let's head into the great outdoors with your host, Dylan Ray. All right, thank you for joining us on Bear Archery's Hunting 101. Joining me is a good friend of mine, uh, at least I consider him a good friend, uh, Mr. Jake Meyer from Mossy Oak. Jake, how are you, man? I'm good, Dylan. Thanks for having me on, and uh, I consider you a good friend as well, so I think we can move forward on that status. Absolutely. Well, we have done uh, several recordings together, um, and I have always enjoyed talking with you. Um, and so I, I'm excited to just talk hunting stories today. Um, you are you are at Table Rock Lake in Missouri right now. Am I, I correct? Sure, I sure am. I'm I'm here. It is actually July third, and uh, Friday, July third. And I I'm born and raised in Southeast Missouri, and my in laws have a place. It here and now in Southwest Missouri on Table Rock Lake, nice little, uh, nice little cabin that we've been coming to for several years now. I absolutely love this lake. I love this area, part of the country. You're kind of in a big part of Bass Pro Country here, uh, with their headquarters in Springfield, and then uh, right now I'm directly between Springfield and Branson, Missouri, and uh, just here for a nice little Fourth of July vacation with my family. You going to be fishing this this afternoon or what? I'm hoping to. We we have a uh, or my in laws have a, a tritune boat that uh, is more for recreation. But I've got a couple buddies around here, and there's some great people on Mossy Oaks Pro staff that I'm, I've become pretty good friends with. So I'm hoping that I could get out with them, or even potentially, um, if they're into anything right now, potentially bow fishing as well. I don't I don't know. I'm not up to speed with the seasons on that, but I think it's in uh, full throttle mode right now for bow fishing. So, well, you're basically you're basically pro fisherman status after that fish war episode, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. What what Dylan's referring to is an episode I did with uh, Brandon Polinick, a pretty reputable professional bass fisherman, and. Yeah, Mossy Oak has a Mossy Oak Fishing has a a show series called uh, Fish Wars on Mossy Oak Go, our free app, and uh, available on any type of streaming device. And yeah, we had a blast with that, and it it that's legit too. It's average Joe versus the pro, and you know, not average Joe, but average Jake in this case because I am less than average of a fisherman. And uh, I will, I will admit that till I don't, I don't think you can <laughs> until, say that anymore. You beat the and, pro. Uh, I, I really did. And uh, we, he, I don't know what it was. He, I caught a few decent fish. I don't think I caught anything over four pounds for that 
specific outing with Brandon Polinick, but uh, there's another episode that aired last night. I'm also go with uh, Brandon Cobb on the Bassmaster Elite Series. And uh, my fate didn't end so well against Brandon Cobb, but I sure enough did beat Brandon Polinick, and uh, he just he just could not catch much that morning, and uh, I just caught a few more than he did. And, uh, man, we had a ball, though. I've, I've gotten some great feedback on that show of just uh, what – and I got to I got to attribute that to uh, the, the the entertainment of that episode to Mossy Oaks, uh, Jeff Shelby. He's one of our he's one of our editors and producers and just and he's done a lot of work in the industry. So if you if you've watched any amount of outdoor content, it's come from Jeff Shelby. But we had an absolute ball making those episodes and um, we, we laugh quite a bit when we watch them. And I'm usually the, the punchline of most jokes, you know, just because uh <laughs> I'm I'm usually like you know the victim or the the pin cushion of the joke and that's okay because I'm not a good fisherman and they're like hey you're gonna fish against Brandon Polinick and it's like okay should we even go out and then sure enough I won so yeah we had an absolute blast with that <laughs> yeah it was a uh, it was a super fun episode to watch if you haven't if you haven't checked that out it is it was a blast to watch so go check that out. <laughs> Um, before we dive in, I do want to give a quick thank you to our friends over at minus 33. Um, they make some of the finest Merino wool that you can possibly buy. And I know Jake appreciates this, but they make, uh, some of their gear in Mossy Oak. So you put the best camo on the best gear and, uh, it's a win-win all around. So, uh, I know Jake has some experience with, with the gear and, and I've absolutely just fallen in love with it, uh, to the point where. I pretty much wear it every day, and so uh, they make some fantastic clothing. Uh, so go check those guys out. But me and Jake really wanted to just talk deer hunting, um, fun stories, uh, f- funny failures um, of, of us in the deer woods, and uh, hopefully to inspire you and show you that deer hunting is fun. Uh, a lot of people have, um, a lot of people who've never tried it have a, a misconstrued idea that you know you sit in the tree and you wait and it's boring and and uh, there's no fun in it and it's just you sitting there twiddling your thumbs. Uh, but deer hunting is an absolute blast and my best stories, my best memories, most of them come from the deer woods. So we're just going to share with you some hunting stories and hopefully, um, inspire you to go out and try it for yourself if you've never done it. Um, and if you are a diehard deer hunter, uh, maybe just get you fired up for the fall. So Jake, tell me about your first memory of deer hunting. Hmm. The one that immediately jumps to mind is I would have been in third grade, which would have been about 1997 or 1998. But my dad was going to take me on my first deer hunt, but I was not hunting. I was just going with him. He was bow hunting. And we went to what we called, there is a, uh, there's a pretty awesome state park in southeast Missouri called Hahn State Park. It's between the towns of Farmington, Missouri, and St. Genevieve, Missouri. And my parents owned uh, some land that actually bordered Han State Park. And we uh, we were going to sit in what was called what we called the lower food plot. Looking back, it was probably a probably a two and a half to three acre food plot in this gorgeous uh, valley. And the food plot itself had a gorgeous little creek branch running around, along its lower border. And when my dad, my dad was a heavy equipment operator, so he actually constructed and, and, and kind of, you know, created that food plot with a bulldozer. So when he, or a high lift, one of the two, but when he did that, he created a windrow 
of trees between the food plot and the creek. And we were going to sit in those trees. It was actually a perfect little spot to just naturally immerse yourself into what was just a massive brush pile. And we were going to just sit there and uh, see what happens. So um, a funny little side note with that story is I was actually about a month out from having a surgery on my my left femur. Of all things, that's the bone that runs from your kneecap or from your knee to your hip. And I had a bone infection in that that bone or that femur. And uh, I was in a lot of pain. I was about, again, to go into surgery. So um, sitting still wasn't that easy, especially just sitting on a log. Uh, it wasn't that easy, but I just remember, uh, we, we caught a glimpse of a doe and a fawn up, up in the woods and they were, they eventually came out into the food plot. And it's just so crazy how, when I had those deer to look at, I was able to kind of (laughs) take, I think of the movie major pain where he's like, you want me to show you a little trick, take your mind off that pain. And it's like, you put a deer or a turkey in front of me and it's like all, everything goes out the window. And it's like, I can just sit there and, and hold super still. And I did. And those that doe and fawn actually, they fed like, we're on about ground level with them. So that was really cool. The doe and the fawn meandered kind of throughout the food plot and eventually worked their way to about five or six yards in front of us. And that evening, dad wasn't really too worried about shooting a doe. And uh, he was just you know, wanting to have a good time. And if a nice buck would have came through, he definitely would have shot it. But, um, man, I'll just never forget that. I remember how much my leg was hurting. And then once those deer came in, it's like that all went away. And I was just able to focus on those deer, just being deer and not having a clue that we were there. It was incredible, but that's the first memory I have of hunting. I mean, there's a couple, you know, squirrel hunts and little, uh, you know, just kind of other stuff, but deer is where it's at deer just in my blood and my DNA. So that was a really cool hunt. That was one of my first major memories. Yeah. And I think I shared with you in a, in a previous conversation that, uh, I told you, you, you obviously had it much more together than I did. Um, on, on my first, uh, memory in the deer woods, uh, we were in the Ozark mountains of Arkansas. Um, not far from where you're at now, uh, was where I was born and raised in Northwest Arkansas. And, uh, my dad took me out hunting and we had found a game trail and we were sitting about 20 yards off that game trail. And uh, he set me down and told me he was going to walk, um, you know, up the up the mountain just a little ways and and sit on the same game trail and and uh, and so he did that and he left me for the morning and uh, I he came back to me, you know, after the morning hunt had wrapped up and he found me throwing sticks and rocks and and he said, <laughs> "What are you doing, son?" And I said, "Well, Dad, I got bored. I'm throwing sticks and rocks." He said, "Well, how long have you been doing that?" I said, "Well, pretty much all morning." And, uh, you know, he, 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 he proceeded to get a little frustrated and, uh, and told me that I would, that's why we didn't see any deer. Cause I was scaring them all off. And, and, you know, being a kid, I was like, well, dad, I mean, sticks and rocks are a natural thing. Shouldn't really scare, scare deer off much. Um, and so he, he proceeded to explain to me, you know, how deer spook and, and noise and movement spook deer and everything. So we took a break, um, you know, that, that, that afternoon and, and, uh, went and got some, some lunch and went to natural dam and, and, uh, and just enjoyed the afternoon, went back for the evening hunt. And, uh, you know, after he had kind of, uh, became a little more strict on, all right, sit here and don't move. Uh, he, he ended up, we ended up sitting together. I think it was more of a, uh, a, uh, I'm going to watch you type thing because we need to see some deer. And <laughs> so we sat there that, that evening hunt and, uh, a doe 
came I'd, I'd probably say 14 to 15 yards in front of us and i had a a lever action 30 30 with me and uh and i remember getting that gun ready and, and my dad explaining to me to to wait to stop and wait and i'm like well why dad and, and he wouldn't answer me you know i'm looking at him I'm like come on let me shoot it and he just keeps telling me to wait and uh that deer just works up that trail right in front of us and and uh he keeps telling me to wait and so after the deer moves on i say why couldn't i shoot the deer and and he explained to me well son you know this is the middle of the rut and uh, that doe kept stopping and looking behind her so i figured there was a buck following her and so you know i much like you my first hunt did not end, end with me killing a deer uh, or my dad killing a deer but it got me hooked just like you said uh yes. when you sneak in there and you and you you observe that animal in its natural habitat and has no idea on earth that you even exist it, it it's just something that you know as a as a kid it, it gets you just fired up and i remember from that point on i was just hooked and uh, i i actually never even shot a deer with a rifle i just went straight to bow hunting i was like well we got close to that one um so let's just start bow hunting dad and uh, so i started bow hunting and a couple unsuccessful seasons of bow hunting i ended up shooting my first deer with a rifle but uh i'll tell you that in a minute um so what was your first actual deer harvested that would have been a couple years later i would have been in fifth grade and about 10 years old 1998 99 i was on the same property and dad had a spot i don't know i don't know what it is if it's just kind of our area or whatever but we you know each person especially on private property you know outside of a hunting lease or whatever each person kind of had their own stand the way i grew up and uh, that's just where you went you know you kind of pick the spot you you put it up you build it and that's your spot dad had a spot that you know was just his stand and it was just like if I recall, it was, it was about like four pine trees that just grew kind of, you know, they formed almost some sort of a rectangle and he just made, you know, what I, what I used to think of as like a tree house out of it, but it was just a big, um, homemade tr tree standard deer stand. And, uh, we were sitting in it. It was just, it's in the middle of a big block of timber. And I was so excited because he would, he would take my brothers who were, they're three years older than I am. They're identical twins. So he would take them and they'd always see like 10 or 20 deer in a day and they'd sit all day and that's what we were going to do this day. So I was super excited just to go hopefully see some deer or have a, have a sit like they've had in the past. So we were sitting, uh, three deer came through that morning and, uh, I was trying to shoot. I had a 30, 30 lever action and it wouldn't go off and we couldn't figure out why I, I, I was aiming and just kind of squeezing the trigger and it just would not go off. So we, we, the deer went out, that was in the morning. That was all we saw that morning, but we were sitting all day. So in that afternoon when the morning movement sort of slowed down, we unloaded the gun and we were just get, completely unloaded it. And we were just going to try to figure out how to engage that trigger. So we we figured out, and I just didn't know this. Um, the le the lever had to be uh, squeezed in or engaged up to the stock, and it was a safety mechanism to engage the trigger. Now you would think I should have known that from practice. Well, what we found out is when I was sitting on the bench in practice, that lever was actually resting on you know like whatever we were resting it on, just a cushion of some sort. So it was actually engaging the lever, and I didn't realize that I had to, I had to consciously and physically do that. So then, with the gun unloaded, we figured out that that lever needed to be uh, engaged, 
squeeze dry fired the trigger a couple times and we got a got a handle on it so then uh we actually had a, a trespasser come through around probably two o'clock two or two thirty he was just creeping through the woods and um I always actually look back and think about how well my dad handled that. He uh, he he fl- took his orange vest off and fl- flagged it at him just to make sure that the, he knew we were there. Then he climbs down and just goes, um, and he he was dad was uh, very polite, just but just kindly asked the man to return to the property that he came from, and so that was interesting. I'll never forget that memory. And then uh, about an hour and a half later, it was probably th- four o'clock, three thirty, something like that in the evening or afternoon. And uh, a three-pointer, actually, it was. It ended up being a three-pointer, was just coming right at our stand. And uh, I was able to shoot him at, no joke, like 12 or 13 yards. And uh, I will never forget shooting him. And he actually just dropped in his tracks. And I actually just started crying tears of joy and adrenaline and excitement. And I was so pumped up. And, and my dad just kind of worked off of my reaction. And he was pumped up. And he just grabs me and gives me a huge bear hug and says, I'm so proud of you. And, uh, man, I would just never forget that memory. That was my first year. It was incredible. That's absolutely. I, I want to ask you a question. Um, you said the, the trespasser thing. Um, has anything like that happened in your adult life where you just think, well, my hunt is blown? Oh, I'm trying to think. I've had, let's see. I have been blessed, man. I have, I'm trying to think, but I, I can't think of many, you know, the only thing that I've had that it actually happened this year is, uh, I had a surveyor come through. I was actually hunting in Mississippi. I was just on a doe mission and I had several does come out into this food plot and a a gorgeous, there was just a big, big doe still in the woods and I was just waiting for her to come out of there and into the food plot. And all of a sudden I looked down to my right in this other lane and there's this guy walking right to me and kind of speed things up for you. It ends up being a surveyor and he, he blows the whole field out and uh, he was surveying a different property and the property that I was on, he used to get, get to the property that he needed to survey. So uh, he clears the field. I think the hunt's probably over, and it's actually the last day of season, and I really needed more deer meat. So he clears the field out, and um, luck, as luck would have it, he, you know, I tell him what's going on, and you know, I, I, I was, I really was like pleasant with him because he didn't know any better, and he, 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 I wasn't in there when he came through, and I was in there when he came out. So anyway. Uh, he blows the field out and then, uh, you know, we, we have a, a, a pleasant and polite conversation and he apologized and then he goes on and, uh, about 20 minutes before last light, uh, probably, probably the same does if I had to guess, but about four, four or five does come out and I end up getting to shoot one of them and getting a little more meat in the freezer. But yeah, it was interesting. I mean, it's one of those things that you can't control. And it's almost just a form of bad luck, in my opinion. But yeah, ended up killing. But I know that's not always the case. Yeah, I mean, the only reason I ask is, uh, you know, things like that happen and you think to yourself, well, I'm just going to go home. You know, this hunt's over. Um, and so I just want to encourage you, if you're listening and something like that does happen, don't give up. I mean, just hang in there. Um, you never know what will happen. You know, there's been times where, where I thought, well, this is shot. Um, you know, something crazy happens. 
uh, one of the places I grew up hunting quite a bit, uh, was my grandparents' place. And, you know, I'd be sitting on the field and, and my grandpa would like come out and hit golf balls or something. And I'm like, pops, <laughs> you know, I'm out here. Like, what are you doing? And, uh, and I would think it was shot and blown and, and, you know, end up shooting a deer. So just hang in there. Uh, you have no idea. You know, a lot of times, um, a lot of times those deer are used to people like that. Um, you know, they're, if, if the surveyor comes there, um, maybe the deer have grown used to him. Uh, certainly the deer had grown used to my grandpa hitting golf balls. Um, and so just hang in there and, 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 uh, you know, see what happens, stick it out. Uh, because there's been times where I just thought, well, this is done. And, you know, then it all comes together. So that's the only reason I asked. Um, but man, my, my first deer hunt, uh, where I actually harvested a deer, uh, I would have been going down to Southern Arkansas, the southernmost part of Arkansas. Um, I mean, you shoot a deer and it could run into Louisiana. Um, I was going down <laughs> wow. to my dad's deer camp. And, and, you know, just to go to your dad's deer camp automatically was was like the highlight of my life at that point. You know, because my dad had grown up telling me stories about this camp and and telling me stories about how cool the cabin was and, and it sat on a lake and how much land there was. And, you know, hanging out with all his buddies, there was probably 12 guys that belonged to this deer hunting camp and, and just hanging out with all these guys. And, and I'd always heard stories of this place and, and now I finally got to go. And so being a kid, you know, on my way to deer camp with dad, it was just, it was so exciting and the anticipation of getting to go to deer camp with dad was just overwhelming. And, uh, what made this hunt even more special was when I was a kid, uh, a little kid, my dad had built me a fort just to play in. It was like a eight to 10 foot high platform. Um, and, and it was just, you know, a, a little fort to play in. And, and when I had grown old and, you know, was, was not playing it anymore, he cut it in fours and, and added legs to it and he made four tower blinds out of it. And so, that morning hunt, we were getting ready and getting dressed. And he said, Hey, I forgot to tell you, uh, we're going to be hunting out of a stand I made from your fort. And so it, it got even more exciting for me just because that was kind of like a, uh, a nostalgia thing. You know, I grew up playing in that fort and spent hours in that fort and slept in that fort, you know, my sleeping bag every night. And just now I got to hunt out of it. And so that got even more exciting. And so we went out that morning and, uh, and two, sure enough, just you know, first thing in the morning, two, two little does. Now let me say little does. Uh, now you get down in Southern Arkansas, they're little anyways. Uh, but these were little for Southern Arkansas. I'm talking 50, 60 pound does. And, uh, they step out and my dad says, well, if you want to shoot them, shoot them. And so I got the green light and I flipped the safety on that seven millimeter and I shot them. And, uh, the first one drops in her tracks. And my dad, like you said, man, the excitement that my dad showed was just outrageous um i can remember him just grabbing me and whipping me around that blind and you know doing a little a little dance and i mean just i was like calm down dad i think he was more excited than i was um and so he explained to me well you know we still have a lot of time in the hunt so let's just leave her laying out there and let's just sit back and see what happens and so we sat there and sure enough um 20 minutes later another doe comes out and i shot her too and so now wow. I had two two dead does and uh, and and just an awesome morning hunt. So we go back to camp and uh, you know this is my first deer. So all the old men in camp are rubbing deer blood on my face and tell me I got to eat the heart and all this stuff and you know playing jokes on me and and uh, but I remember just I remember just the excitement in camp. Not even from just my dad, but all those men in camp were just thrilled that I had shot these little bitty does. And, and I just remember thinking like, this is hunting, you know, yeah. not the shooting of the deer, not the, 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 the trips made with your friends, but, but 
this right here, the camaraderie, the joy, um, this is hunting. And my dad actually had to head back. This was a Saturday and my dad's a, a pastor. And so he had to head back for church on Sunday. And so he left me with one of his friends um, to hunt a couple more days. And so that next morning, or I'm sorry, that, that next evening, that same evening, um, I went and sat right back in the, in, the, in the blind that my dad had made for me and uh, ended up shooting a little button buck that night. And so I remember calling my dad and he was on his way home and saying, I shot a buck this time. And he was just thrilled, Man. didn't care that I said button buck, didn't care that I said he was a little bitty. He was just thrilled again. And so um, that was my first actual harvest um, of, of animals. And, and it was just, man, I can just remember thinking like, this is what it's all about. Um, I don't care how big they are. I don't care um, what anybody else thinks. This is what it's all about. And so, um, yeah, man, That's absolutely. Right. I, I can remember how excited my dad was. And I cannot wait. Uh, being a father myself now, I cannot wait uh, to get my kids out there and feel that excitement my dad felt oh. when one of my kids shoot there first. I know. I, I'm with you there. My daughter's almost two. She'll be two in September. I'm right there with you. I can't wait to at least just take her out, you know, even for scouting trips for turkeys. I love turkey hunting too. Just for, I want her to go out and just hear a gobble, you know, stuff like that. What's her birthday? Her birthday is September 20th. All right. My, my boy will be two in September and his is September 2nd. So, Oh wow. Um, That's funny. He'll, he'll be two in September as well. I'm going to have to make like a little bitty, a little bitty t-shirt um, for the hunting 101 podcast and send it to your daughter on her birthday. She'll be glad to wear it. I can promise you. She she loves animals and she loves anything that she seems to love about anything that I love right now. She mimics turkey sounds and all that stuff. So we absolutely love watching her curiosity and her wheels just spin when it comes to animals awesome, and the outdoors. She loves it. <laughs> yeah, I uh, I remember taking my boy to Cabela's for the first time and uh, him just walking around and just saying deer deer everywhere and and he would look he he, he walked <laughs> yeah. in uh i was i was at a I, we went to a hunting lodge not too long ago and uh i was we were just there to fish and camp and just enjoy the week and um he walked in and there was a full body deer mount first thing he saw and he just goes deer a deer <laughs> and uh, i'm like yeah buddy that's a deer well then we walk into the main part of the lodge and there was an elk and he said a big deer <laughs> and he was just he was just so excited man and that that you know there's a dad who loves to hunt it gets you fired up that they're excited about hunting so um i man i cannot wait to get him out there and uh and and start him hunting and and you know take him out uh we actually i took my 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 four-year-old she'll be four in november i took her out shed hunting and uh this last year and we found a few sheds and she was just blown away that these antlers had fallen off deer and so that yeah. was a fun deal but uh, man, tell me any? about. We did. We found two, and one was actually good. a pretty good shed. Um, I was actually pretty fired up about one of them, uh, especially here in Kansas. It had a real, uh, you know, we don't have mule deer here where I, I live. Uh, there's mule deer in Kansas, but um, we don't have mule deer uh, down in southern Kansas where I live. And this this shed really had a mule deer look to it. Um, and she was just fired up. It was a big shed. She was just fired up and I've got it sitting on my, uh, in my office now. Um, she, but she was fired up about it and she, she asked me, dad, why did the deer leave this here? Um, <laughs> and I'm like, well, sweetheart. And so then, you know, we explained they fall off naturally, but, uh, yes. man, tell me about one of your failures in the woods. Those are sometimes better than success stories in my opinion. 
Man, there's so many to pick from, because, especially because uh, bow hunting is my passion. So, I mean, that is the ultimate sport of failures, in my opinion. But uh, I think the biggest one that sticks out would take me back to the same property that I just described. They're out, out close to Han State Park. We, uh, it, I love this story because it's it's pre-trail cameras and it is it's pre it's before I felt like I remotely know kind of I guess maybe not what I'm doing but I I feel like I know much more about deer behavior and deer tendencies right now well then I would just hunt whenever I could and I you know there weren't trail cameras so you didn't know what exactly what you were hunting until you spent a decent amount of time in the area and you had an idea of what was running around. But, uh, we were out at the same property and dad, it was mid December. And I remember it was so cold. It may have even been closer to late December, but it was so cold. I know the leaves were all off the trees completely. Um, it was probably in the teens and dad said, Hey, I'm going out to the ground. I can't remember exactly what he had to do, but he said, if you want to go, I'll drop you off. You can, you can take your boat. I'll drop you off and I'll go do what I need to do. And then I'll pick you up at whatever time. And it was interesting because it was actually like arrive out there like 10 AM and hunt until like two or three. Well, at this point in my life, I, I don't know why I would think that that would make much sense, but this deer is about to prove me wrong of why it did make sense. So we go out there, he drops me off. I'm sitting in what's called the draw stand. It's just, uh, it is exactly what it sounds like. It's a draw, a very heavily wooded draw between two food plots. And it's a great travel corridor. And it's, again, it's relatively thick. The deer definitely do bed in it. And he drops me off. I go down, I get set up. And at this point in my life, you know, I'm watching like outdoor channel and all that stuff. And uh, you know, rattling and grunting is what I'd watch them do. So they would do that. And, you know, sometimes deer would come in or especially bucks. So I, I grunt and I rattle. And again, like I, I wouldn't do that this time of this at that time of the year anymore. I don't think, but I grunt and I rattle and about 25 or 30 minutes later, this big eight pointer comes in and he's just, he's, he's kind of on a mission coming through the draw. And I just remember I look up and I see his rack and I'm thinking, Oh my word. Like at that point in my life and knowing what I know now about that area, that was a big deer. I think it was looking back. I really think he was probably 145 to 100 to 145 to 150 inches gross score. And, uh, I, uh, I just remember, you know, my adrenaline just immediately starts pumping hard. My heart is just beating out of my chest. And it's so cold, I'm wearing a heavily insulated uh, hoodie, not hoodie, but face mask that just completely covers your neck and your head. And I remember I come to full draw. The deer is probably 30, 33 or 35 yards. And I remember I... uh I come to full draw and I could not, I could not get the sight picture I needed at the time because the, the face mask was so insulated that I couldn't get my anchor point. 
And then, so I'm, I'm just messing around big time, trying to get my, my, my anchor, just trying to get that sight picture. And finally I get it to what I thought was uh, at the time close enough, which I wouldn't have even taken the shot if I'd known then what I know now. But anyway, I get it close enough and I, I settle in my 30 yard pin on the top of his back and uh, again, he's about 33 or 35 yards, but there's not much of an angle for uh, shooting down for where he's at with respect to where I am in the tree. So I put my 30 up in at the top of his back thinking it's a 33 or 35 yard shot. And my arrow just sails like two or three feet over his back. It was just a horrible, horribly placed arrow. And at, looking back, I just know it was because I didn't have the anchor that I needed. And and the more I've learned about archery over the years and bow hunting and precision and accuracy is that anchor is critical. Like that anchor is the foundation. I mean, it, it's exactly what it sounds like. It's the anchor or the foundation of your shot. And as soon as you deviate any, any way from what, what you sight your pins in for, that arrow is going to go a lot of different wrong directions at, at, at a quick rate. So anyway, long story, but that was a fail. And that story immediately jumps out at me because of how big that deer was. I remember the sun just glistening off of his antlers and his back. It was such a beautiful setting, super cold morning. And, uh, I whiffed bad on a stud, man. I, uh, <laughs> I've got a I've got a grunt and rattle fail story that just happened last year. Um, I was sitting at, at one of my favorite places to hunt in the rut. It's on the it's on the Arkansas River here in Kansas. I had standing beans um, on one side of me and the river on the other, and just a beautiful place when it comes to the rut. And there's one there's one place that the deer can come from, and you cannot see them until they're at like twelve yards. Wow! And not many deer come from that area. Uh, usually they come uh, out of the field and I can see them coming from hundreds of yards, but there's one spot where they can come and you cannot see them till they get there. And, uh, and so I was sitting there and I was grunting and I was rattling and I had my rattle bag in my hands still rattling when that deer comes to 12 yards and he would have been easily the biggest deer I'd ever harvested in my life. Wow. And so he's at 12 yards. I've got the rattle bag in my hands and my bow is still on the hook behind me. And so I set the rattle bag down and I get it down and I get my hand on my bow grip and I look at the bow, which is behind me. I look at the bow for a split second just to make sure I get it off the hook without it rattling. Uh, you know, I didn't want the, the cam to tink the, the, the hook or anything. So, so I look for a split second just to make sure I can get it off that hook without it rattling. And when I look back, uh, he bolted. Um, and so... I was absolutely sick. And so he ran out to about 80 yards. Uh, I grunted and rattled again. Um, this time having my bow ready, uh, but I grunted and rattled again. He was not having any part of it that time. Um, just absolutely blew it, man. Should have been ready. Um, so what I took from that and what I want to encourage you to do is anytime you're going to do a grunt and rattle sequence, uh, have your bow ready because it can happen quickly after that. That's right. Um, it can happen very quickly. Uh, one of my favorite fail stories um, that I have, I was in Idaho on a bear hunt, and it was the last full day of hunting, and uh, we had that afternoon, uh, we hadn't had a real meal. Um, you know, we had been eating, you know, uh, freeze-dried meals for five days now, 
and uh, and and the guy we were hunting with says, "Yeah, just twenty miles up this road, there's a little a little restaurant where you can get a burger." And uh, and so twenty miles on an Idaho mountain road really takes you know several hours, and so we uh, yes. we we drive up to this little restaurant and it was in a town of about 10 people and uh and we eat a burger and it you know it changes your life after you hadn't had a meal in so long yeah and so we had put on city clothes you know we had put on you know just jeans and t-shirts and and i was wearing like under armor um slides under armor sandals um and so we went up to that restaurant to grab a burger and uh and on our way back we just thought well let's let's head up to this one glassing point and just see if we see a bear and uh, again, it's getting down to the wire, you know, last full day of hunting. And so we drive up and, and this wasn't even, you know, we, we hadn't got, we hadn't went back to camp and got ready for our evening hunt yet. So I was still wearing, you know, the jeans and the slides and we just decided to drive up to this. It was a helipad where we could glass off. And so we drive up and, and we start glassing and immediately we see a bear. And so we range him and he was at a thousand yards. Um, now it took us about a mile and a half to get within 200 yards of him and I was carrying a rifle uh well this was a bow hunt I was carrying my bow but we the way this bear was set up we just knew there's no possible way uh to get close to him with a bow um and so I grabbed my buddy's rifle which I had never shot before never picked up before never held before and uh and and we start making this journey a mile and a half two miles to, to shoot this bear now remember I was wearing Under Armour slides in the nastiest country you had ever seen oh. in your entire life. Now, now this is embarrassing, and my Arkansas roots came out, but my dumb hunter instincts came out of, I have to kill this bear. So I took the slides off, and I'm trekking this mountain barefooted, 100% barefoot. Oh and we're Lord. literally sprinting trying to get over to this bear. I mean, we're going, you know, down draws over, you know, we're, we're, we're cross trekking this mountain to get over. I mean, it was horrible. My feet are bleeding and they're hurting and, but I, I don't even care. You know, <laughs> it's like, wow. I have to shoot this bear last night of the hunt. Um, so this is a little bit of my Arkansas jeans coming out in me, but, um, <laughs> we make this and we get within 200 yards of him and I have a perfect broadside shot and, and I shoot. We don't see the bullet hit anywhere else on the mountain, and the bear just stands there. And I actually thought, I thought to myself, he dropped, like he he just sat down, like he he's done, you know, he's expired. And before my buddy can say, shoot him again, he's still up, she was running. Um, and so I took another shot at a, at a running bear, and, and you know, that was a confirmed miss. We saw the miss. And we still don't know, you know, looking back at footage, uh, looking back at, at, at the footage of, of the bullet and where it hit and, and where it didn't hit, it looked like it a hit. I mean, we couldn't, nowhere else did the bullet hit. You know, we didn't see the bear really hunch up or anything, but um, just it, it was hard telling. And so, you know, we looked for blood for a little while and, and we looked over the draw where the bear had ran towards and, and we never found her again. Um, but but I, you know, I, I ran two miles barefooted in, in the Idaho mountains to, to miss a bear. Um, so oh. it's embarrassing. And, you know, looking back, watching that episode, um, watching that episode of that hunt, it's just like, why in the heck did I do that? But <laughs> in, I mean, knowing what I, I mean, I would have done it again, you know, for the chance to shoot a bear, I would have done it again. Yes. Um, 
but man, that you know, there's so many failure stories that I could share, and uh, some of them are are quite embarrassing. And that one is embarrassing because it was by choice that I ran barefooted across a mountain. But uh, there was no, definitely no time to say, well, let's go to camp and get some boots um, so we can do this. Uh, so sure. I just made a rash decision and uh, you know picked splinters out of my feet for the next two weeks and uh, oh. without a bear. So. <laughs> But man, uh, wow. no, it, it was fun. Uh, you know, that was a, a super fun hunt, learned a lot and, uh, you know, can't wait to, to, uh, go back. But, um, man, tell me about your most memorable deer hunt, man. There's some, there are, there's some great ones. I've, I've been hunting since I was less than 10 years old and started pursuing the animals myself when I was 10. There's so many good ones, but, um, I really think the one that stands out the most just because of the overall experience and like you were mentioning earlier, Dylan, but the camaraderie and just, again, the overall experience would be a buck I shot this past fall. It was with uh, Jeff and David Lindsay of the Lindsay Way. That's a show that airs on Outdoor Channel now. It used to be on Sportsman Channel, but they, excuse me, they invited me uh to come hunt with them and on Jeff's farm in Pike County, Illinois. Um, they have a great cabin there. It's in the river Hills. Um, I'm trying to, I think it's the Illinois river, if I'm not mistaken, that runs through there. And that's where we were hunting between the Illinois river and the Mississippi river. I'm pretty sure it was the Illinois. Anyway, it's late October and I roll into camp and, uh, have a great hunt the first evening i saw several deer and the next morning i was able to take a doe and then the next evening jeff put me in this gorgeous uh food plot in this bottom with what was uh biologic winter bulbs and sugar beets and i could just tell on on the way into the the spot uh, into the stand that they were the browse pressure was very hard they were they were just demolishing this food plot it was probably a my guess is a four or five acre food plot just again in this bottom uh big timber ridges on each side of it and the wind was perfect and i just knew i knew i didn't spook any deer walking in i took my time super slow and steady and i did not spook any deer and sure enough i get set up and about 20 minutes into the set um there were deer already coming onto the food plot with hours of daylight left, probably a solid two and a half to three hours of daylight left. And about 20 minutes into it, those deer start coming in and it's, it's, it's little bucks and it's nice does. And then it's nicer bucks and, and nicer does and all that stuff. And then all of a sudden this big, big 10 pointer walks onto the, onto the field and I get to watch him work ground scrapes and tree rubs and checking does and uh, running other bucks off away from some of the does. And it's just an incredible scene. And I watch him. He's at about 100 yards. I watch him there for what I think is probably probably 30 to 40 minutes. He's just in, in there in this own little pocket of the food pot. And that's where most of these deer are. But then as the evening unfolded, several deer came from, from my side of the food plot. Um, and they just start working out into the food plot. And one of them was this three and a half year old, uh, 
pretty 10-pointer that's got a lot of potential. And he comes out into the middle of the food plot, and he's about 35 yards from me. And the big 10-pointer looks down the field and sees this deer and makes a beeline for him. And they're both at about 40 yards in a matter of probably four or five seconds. And the the big buck just kind of pushes the three-and-a-half-year-old off. And then the big buck is now at about 43 or 44 yards and goes down to eat and eat just uh, – the greens in that food plot so i think you know 40 it's for i range him it's 44 yards uh, he's calm he's eating and i'm thinking i can make this shot so i i uh i decide i want to go ahead and take that shot i come to full draw and i just kind of gather my composure i know this is a big deer could be my biggest deer ever i really just want to make a good shot here that's it that's all i can ask and pray for so i come to full draw the sight picture um, was one of the calmest and just mo- most in-tune sight pictures I've ever had. The, the aiming part of it um, just came natural. The jitters like almost went away, and I was just I was so immersed in making a good shot. I let I wanted my 40-yard pin at the top of the deer's heart based off the angle that I was looking at and the arrow, uh, just compensating for the rise of the arrow at that downhill slope. I uh, I thought if anything, my 40-yard pin at the top of his heart, he, again, he's 44 yards, I thought that arrow, if, if the deer ducks my shot, I'll, I'll be in, I should be in a lung hit. And if he doesn't duck the shot with the slope of the arrow, or the slope of the shot and the rise of the arrow, a 40-yard pin at the top of his heart at 44 yards should actually drop right into his heart. So the shot goes off, and uh, the deer does not duck, and the arrow actually did just drop right into the deer's heart, and the deer ran probably 70 or 80 yards and exp- expired there. And uh, I was so ecstatic. Jeff and David uh, did, came- did you get to see him drop? I did. I got to see him drop. Um, I saw him fall and uh, just knew he was done. And I... Uh, I sat there until dark, Jeff. I was able to text Jeff and said, "Hey, I, I just shot shot a good one." And him and David and uh, their their two uh, camera guys came in, and man, we we went and recovered the deer, and uh, it was just an absolutely incredible experience. Uh, their wife, Jeff and David's wives, were in camp as well, and just it experience um how that family lives their life and how they approach life and treat people was an absolute pleasure and i went there as what i would say was a friend and i left there feeling like family the Lindsays took me in they showed me what the Lindsay way was all about um and actually we i wasn't able to have a camera guy with me on that hunt but um i wrote a full article on that entire story on mossyoak.com you can just go to mossyoak.com and search uh, bow hunting whitetails the Lindsay way, or you could Google bow hunting whitetails the the Lindsay way, and you'll find that article. And I go I go in more in depth than what I just told you about that story. Um, but that was just to answer your question on probably you know one of my most memorable hunts. 
it was that one uh, just because the deer was amazing. The evening was amazing. I saw a large amount of deer. I saw several bucks. Being in camp with Jeff and David Lindsay, it was just kind of the culmination of uh, my personal passion for archery and for bow hunting combined with my, my, my occupation of being in this great and wonderful industry with the best people on the planet being the Lindsay's. Um, it was just incredible. So I was also going to tell you too, in your audience, uh, again, we didn't get the shot on camera, but we did get the recovery on camera. That's all going to air. Not it'll air today is July 3rd and that'll air next week. I don't have the Lindsay's time slots off the top of my head on outdoor channel, but uh, just go to your DVR and record the Lindsay way if you wanted to go in and watch that episode. Um, it's all about our week there in Pike County, Illinois with them. So the Lindsay way on outdoor channel and that'll air next week. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, man. And I, uh, I saw the pictures of that deer and, uh, I remember thinking, man, he needs to tell me where that tree stands at. Uh, <laughs> just a beautiful, beautiful deer, uh, a great deer and, uh, man, a, a, a terrific story of a picture perfect evening uh in the deer hunting woods and that for as bow hunters that right there is absolutely what we live for is evenings like that you're exactly right and to your point too like the pictures um with that deer that was it, just pay attention to the foliage um you can go to my instagram page and see that deer you can go to again that story on mossyoak.com and read that story and we have so many pictures from that week on that on that uh that article but the foliage the, the leaves peaking that time of the year it, in those river hills there's no other place i'd rather be i can promise you it was majestic yeah man those pictures blew me away and uh you know i've said this before but man we have to get on a hunt together and yes. uh you know i will you always have an invite to come and hunt kansas here if if oh, uh, thank you if you would if you would like that and uh I would love man that. I, I again it's always a pleasure to record with you before we go um i do want to give another quick thank you to our friends over at koa optics um a couple of years back i was in the market for my first you know kind of high-end spotting scope i was going to go on a on a backcountry western hunt and needed a spotting scope and uh I reached out to a friend of mine who sold all brands of, of scopes and optics and, and asked him what the best was. And uh, he told me Koa by far. And I have gotten Koa optics uh, now for a few years and I've absolutely never looked back. Uh, they are phenomenal glass. And so go check those guys out. Uh, but guys, thank you for listening. Jake, thank you so much for coming on, man. It's always a pleasure. Um, and again, I thank you for taking time out of your, your vacation there at, at, uh, at Table Rock to record with us and to to share uh, some of your fun stories with us. Uh, and so, again, tell your wife, uh, we as your listeners apologize for taking up your time while you're there on vacation. No, thank you, Dylan. Thanks for having me on. It's always an absolute pleasure, and I will always take the time out of my my life to uh, talk hunting and, and talk hunting stories. It's, it's some memories that I always love looking back on. So thank you for making it a point to invite me, and uh, I'll look forward to our our next conversations because i always enjoy them absolutely well thanks for listening and you guys have a great week 